0: Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past
1: 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the editorial and marketing director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this
0: podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes.
1: Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This
0: week, we are joined by special guest, John Cordero, author of the brand new book, The History of Miami Hip Hop which is really, it's a cool look into the past really 25 years or more of you know how that scene became so national and like his role and personal involvement in it. So can you tell us a little story about how you ended up um, involved with Miami Hip Hop?
2: Sure, uh, thank you for having me. And uh, I will say I began, Uh, when I moved to Miami in 1995, uh, just uh, graduated high school. So, you know, as usual in the 90s, it was a simpler era, a simpler time, right? (laughs) Uh, Technology wasn't what it is today. So uh, just getting involved by being into the music and wanting to meet the uh, locals, right, that were uh, talent, uh, DJs, MCs, graffiti artists, and uh, dancers, uh, B boys and B girls. So it was just a natural organic flow of uh, meeting these people at events, at, at the shows, concerts, uh, gatherings, things like that. And from there, you know, your network expands. And so I was noticing that the scene uh, was very active, very lively, uh, a lot of talent in all areas, in all the facets of the culture. But there was no documentation of this scene, what was happening. There were a few other underground magazines, but Um, They came and went. Uh, There wasn't a regular publishing schedule. Uh, Everybody was doing it. You know, DIY, do it yourself model. And I also did the same thing a few years later, but yeah, that's how I began, just uh, being involved and meeting people.
1: Nice.
0: Very, very relatable.
1: What was like the, can you, do you remember like the moment, was there like one moment when you were like, this is for me, like this scene does it for me?
2: uh right i would say uh when i moved here i lived about five blocks away from what we called uh penance graffiti penance uh penance is a local miami slang word it came from penitentiary and, and the reason is because the very first graffiti warehouse in miami was uh at a penitentiary that was never finished it was abandoned uh for whatever reason budgetary i suppose so you had this standing structure of uh you know giant walls and so graffiti writers started taking it over, and they would come and paint, and and you know set up crews and everybody talking shop and things like that. So me living so close to it, it was only natural that I was always there. I, I did graffiti myself. Uh, never reached the professional uh, level that we see today. Uh, kind of gave it up after a while, but it was it was just a matter of being there and 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 noticing that yeah, this is what I love. Uh, the art, uh, it's so advanced. Even at that time, we're talking the mid 90s and uh, artists were already doing 3D lettering and, and, you know, uh, things like that. So a lot of talent in Miami in that era. And so it was just natural for me to gravitate towards it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And that, you know, and that's like it goes back to like New York City and the like intermingling of like dancing, hip hop, graffiti, and then just all that being kind of one scene. So what was like unique about Miami that you weren't seeing in other scenes, especially like as an outsider, which is kind of an awesome point of view?
2: Right. I would say one of the unique things about Miami is uh, it's always been a melting pot. It's a transient city. Uh, People move here every day from all over the world, Uh, mostly Latin America uh, and the Caribbean, but still there's you can think of there's a presence here of that of those groups. So it was a matter of all these influences coming in, whether there's also a lot of New Yorkers that move here, a lot of people from other northern cities so uh, all these influences coming in you know the new york hip-hop uh the latin american flavor of the caribbean uh when it comes to the music uh the multiple languages that you hear in the street so it's all these melting pot of influences and and you'll see that reflected especially in graffiti a lot of bright pastel colors a lot of art deco uh type of influences the vice colors right neon pink neon blue uh just very tropical and very you know uh, we're talking about a city Uh, palm trees, hurricanes, sunshine. So that's what you see reflected in the art as well. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. So I love that you, I love that for you and your book, like the art and the music are, you know, the visual art and the musical art are combined. And then of course you also were involved in publishing at that time, which I think would be of interest to people listening to this podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, of course so after, after a few years of living here, uh, uh, as I mentioned, I noticed there was a lack of coverage at the time in the 90s there were the big national hip hop magazines, uh, the source, rap pages, rap sheet or magazine, uh, many other uh, regional magazines as well. So these big magazines that were you know available nationally barely mentioned anything about Miami. Uh, at the time, the art the biggest artist out of Miami was Two Left Crew, Uncle Luke so uh what we know today as far as miami hip-hop of, you know rick ross pit et cetera, they weren't out yet they, they were just getting started as well so i noticed that the lack of coverage in our scene uh was glaring in the national publication so again uh being young and being energetic and being motivated about it it was hey let's do it ourselves let's not wait for the source or the other magazines to catch up to us we're the ones living here we're living it we're active so me and my friends just decided let's publish a newspaper that chronicles uh, what's going on in the scene, all the different shows, uh, all the graffiti that was uh, shown around the city and uh, all the gatherings that were happening of B-Boys and B-Girls dancing. They used to be uh, every weekend uh, on South Beach. They would gather and battle and dance and you know, a public gathering, things like that. So that was the spark and it was let's document this scene and let's not wait for you know the other publications to do it for us when we can do it ourselves. So we were just motivated to do it ourselves and, and to show what was happening in the streets at the time.
1: And that, yeah. that was the Cypher yeah. was born, right?
2: Yes, uh, so the Cypher uh, was born in 1998 and uh, the name came from, you know Cypher is a, a circle, 360 degrees. So we aim to cover all 360 degrees of hip hop culture in Miami. So we always had every month. I was a section for a particular rapper, a particular DJ, a particular dancer, a particular graffiti artist. So we aimed to uh, show what all the elements of the culture were doing. And it was, you know, the newspaper kept growing. Of course, the very first issue, the classic cut and paste. Right, you print something uh, from Microsoft Word, then you cut it, then you put it on a cardboard. And you know, not knowing anything about layout, about graphics, just take a picture, tape it on the cardboard, print a caption below that picture, uh, take it to the printing plant, and of course, a newspaper, black and white, was the cheapest uh, printing option. Uh, color was completely out of the question uh, for us. They quoted us, if I remember correctly, something over six grand for a hundred copies of color. So. <laughs> We were like, we can't afford that. We, don't, we didn't have any uh, advertisers. What we did was sell advertising spots, uh, local businesses, uh, t-shirt shops, barber shops, uh, things like that. And then the money that we would generate is the money that we used to pay for the printing. Um, we were all young uh, in college, 20, 21, 22 years old. And so no investors, no money. Uh, we, we were all working part-time jobs or still living at home. So it's not like we could put our money in. So that's what we did was let's go out and generate sales. And then from that money, we'll go ahead and pay for the printing and give the newspaper away for free. We didn't care about money. We didn't care about making a living out of it. It was just a labor of love. And it was just let's get it out there and give it away so that people will read it.
0: Right. And, that you know, that's like a great couple like, like a triangulation even where like the designer that worked on your book she was like i really liked it because i listened to all the music in the book while i was working on the book and it really gave me a sense of like what it was about and like what the themes were and you know the uniqueness of it and you know and this is similar to microcosm's story and that you know we did all those things and you know the world in its way is you know it's like there's a certain amount of resourcefulness of youth and you know doing things that are difficult or even impossible because it like you don't realize that so you're just like doing your thing you know or or you're just like so passionate about it that you just have to do it you know so why did you want to um you know the cypher closed some time ago so why did you want to write this book
2: Right. So um unfortunately the cipher ended uh two years later. So like around two thousand, uh this is when the internet was just starting to come into public consciousness. Uh, these were the days of geo cities and and those free web pages and AOL and, and dial up, right? So I noticed that the internet was coming in in a big way and we wanted you know, we wanted to be online, we wanted to have a website, we wanted all of that. This was blogs weren't called blogs then the word blog didn't exist but there were already some blogs you know up online that i would read hip-hop type so um, basically a lot of internal uh, discussions of course again us being young not knowing how to get along with each other not knowing how to run a business etc so the typical story of flaming out burning out and everybody going their separate ways uh, so so then a couple of years passed, well, more than a couple, more like 10, 15 years, and then one thing I started noticing is a lot of people that we knew from back then, uh, some of them were getting sick, some of them were dying. Uh, there was a, the rapper, uh, Mike Ripa, who was a big uh, local rapper, he passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, another promoter uh, that was very active in, in promoting shows also passed away, so that made me stop and think like, hey, uh, these guys that we grew up with, you know, they're gone now, but the history of miami is that it's very transient as i mentioned so we pave over our history literally uh, i look outside my window now and i, I can count five or six construction cranes uh, wow. condo buildings going up so it's a city that doesn't really acknowledge its history it paves it over developers uh, things like that so that was the spark that said to me we need to document what happened what happened back then because as the time goes forward now of course nowadays we're all online uh you know we're all on broadband we're all on on our social media so all these things that didn't exist back then now provide the opportunity to document and reach out to people that you know it's the typical you lose touch you don't talk to people for 10 15 years and you catch up on instagram or facebook or whatever oh hey how's it going how you been etc and so that kind of thing also uh led to the spark of trying to do this book So it was basically a combination of history, passing over uh, the city moving so fast and uh, people that we knew and were close to uh, passing away.
1: And so you originally self-published a version of this book, right? What like, yeah, how did that go? And then how did that lead to this? Tell us the story of the publication
2: right so around 2013 2014 is when uh i started noticing right that people were passing away in the city the scene changed. uh you know this was the days of the what we call the blog era in hip hop where the free mixtapes were all online all you did was click on a media fire link and you got your brand new music so uh that was the spark that was um active for me so I started writing the book just chronicling my experiences writing about what I uh, lived back then and then I took the issues of the cipher and I picked out oh this is a good article this was a good interview uh, we had an interview with Fife uh, from a track called Quest who also passed away um, so right I knew that would be something of value and uh, other uh, locals as well that also passed away so it was a matter of picking the best uh, and my favorite uh, articles and interviews mixing it with my own personal story. So while we were interviewing Quest, I was uh, dropping out of college, uh, you know, and things like that. And then meeting up with my friends again. So I gave them the idea, hey, why don't we do a book? Yeah, let's do it. And uh, going online, uh, trying to find how how to make your own book. How do you print, you know, how to self-publish. A lot of tutorials, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Google articles. And uh, now, again, with the technology, it's made life so much easier in that regard because you can literally do everything in the comfort of your own home. You you can do your own layout. Uh, You can do your own editing. You can hire someone, a freelancer. Uh, So that was was a a good thing and helped me a lot. Helped me tremendously. I found a local designer and he did the layout for me. And then I found a company that was printing books on order, books on demand. So um, I went and printed 500 copies. And from there, it was a matter of going hand-in-hand to to the local bookstores, uh, websites, and just promoting it, Uh, walking in, you know, unknown. Uh, I never met these people before, but hey, I have this book, would you like to stock it? Uh, This book is about history of hip-hop in Miami and got a very good response. So uh, it took three years, so started around 2014 and the book was, I self-published the book in 2017. And eventually I did sell out of all 500 copies Again, selling to people, just literally, we have a lot of events here that take place Art Basel, Miami Music Week. Uh, there's all kinds, of, uh, every time artists will come down perform, Rolling Loud, Ultra Music Festival. So at these events where music lovers gather, is where I would go and, hey, I have this book. I, I wasn't paying for a table or a booth. It was literally guerrilla marketing, showing up, walking around, uh, giving people stickers and flyers. Same with the bookstores, just walking in and selling the book uh, directly to them. Uh, wholesale consignment, you know, buy it up front, whatever it took, uh, whatever deal was offered, I would take it. And, and you know, luckily it worked out and, and I was able to sell out of the whole print run. Yeah. And, and
0: that's the thing, like, I feel like the, um, your personality comes through. And for me, a lot of the strength of the book is like the intimacy. Like you have a lot of really candid photos with people in a setting where you don't normally get to see them. And it's, you know, a little bit shocking that, you know, so did, did you feel like you had enough of a relationship that people trusted you to do that? Or was it just like being in the right place at the right time?
2: I would say both. Um, I, I did keep in touch with a lot of some people I knew from back then uh, that became close friends. Uh, DJ Craze for one, uh, very, very close friend to this day. And um, other, other uh, graffiti artists and uh, dancers, uh, other DJs too. So it was a matter of, uh, they know me, they know what I'm about, they, they know my track record and then the a new generation or when I was time to sell my book to the bookstores and shops, it was a matter of you know, having a professional presentation. Here's a book. Here's my business card. Here's my website. Right? I was I wasn't just a kid, you know, now I was grown and, and, you know, I had a, I had the budget, <laughs> right? To do a presentation, to print a full color hardcover book. Uh, you know, um, uh, self publishing, so I would go to the shops and they could see that this is, you know, a professionally designed book. It's not it wasn't a cut and paste job like back in the day. Uh, eventually, you know, we did back in the day, go from cut and paste to Photoshop. That was a, a good progression for us. But when it came to the book, it was a professional presentation and and that was, you know, I think that's what allowed me to get in the door where I wasn't showing up with just, uh, oh, here's a a fanzine, you know, they get all that all the time. Uh, So it was a different uh, kind of thing and it hadn't been done before. So that was also one big thing that I I went into this market and not having any competition, which is a good thing if you're trying to sell something when you have a unique product that uh, doesn't exist in the marketplace. And that's what the, uh, the original Cypher book was.
1: I love that you, you know, even in a more as a as a more professional adult with more of a budget and more resources, you still brought that DIY spirit to like, you know, going door to door and hand selling your book. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What made you approach microcosm about traditional publication?
2: Right. So the next step after uh, self publishing and after getting the great response that I got, it was okay, I definitely would like uh, to have a, a wider distribution network, which I didn't and don't have. And so it was again, uh, Googling, going online, asking people, asking around in a different bookstore, every hip hop related book, every music related book I would see. Uh, get the publisher, you know, get all the information, uh, contact them, you know, the blind submissions, the cold emails, uh, the queries, all of that, you know, I started doing that. I hadn't never done that before, so it was definitely a learning experience for me. And when I found Microcosm, it was, I noticed that you had a series of books on uh, local scenes and music uh, regarding those local scenes. Uh, I remember seeing one about uh, the rock scene in New Orleans or in Kansas City, The Hardcore punk scene in New York, right? All these different locations, and it was like, oh, this is a niche type of uh, publisher that does local music scenes, so it's perfect. And so I submitted and I emailed, and uh, you know, got a great response. Started uh, negotiating, talking, and uh, here we are. So that also took some time, but that's you know, that's the publishing world, and it was fine. Uh, started working with Microcosm, I want to say around 2018, 2019. Then, of course, the pandemic came and, you know, everybody had to lock down. So that was definitely uh, a delay and and it was good. Uh, not to say the pandemic was good, but the, the delay was good in that it, it gave us more time to work and, and get to know each other.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I am sorry that it took so many years. It was one of those things where we, we really were like, everything is going to grind to a halt like we better brace for the worst and then right. instead like interest and demand for books was more than we've ever seen so we were just struggling to keep up and grow as fast as the world wanted us to grow so there were and then so many not you which is like unfortunate because but so many authors missed their deadlines that that really screwed us up more than anything when we were like how do we juggle all this so then people like you who actually hit all of your deadlines and did it right and did a great job we were like uh we're still swimming in manuscripts and overwhelmed and so i apologize that you suffered under the everyone else's overwhelm you know but here we are so how do you um so what like what would you like to accomplish with this book
2: Right, so I'd say uh, with this book, it's more a a love letter, a testament to the city, a moment in time, and how what we see today when we talk about Miami uh, hip-hop and culture, we're talking about multi-platinum international artists, stars like DJ Khaled, like Pitbull, like Rick Ross. Uh, We're talking about people that have, you know, came from the city and started underground uh free mixtapes the guys that would stand outside the show handing out a cd that everybody was annoyed by right these are the guys that you know yeah <laughs> that, that was the thing that's the thing you're walking in south beach and they're handing you a cd and you're like get away from me um and, and, and they're
0: like it's five bucks but right now that right you take it and you're just like come on man
2: yeah yeah like i'm trying to enjoy my date and you're you know bothering me and, and you know throwing a cd in my hand but these, you know, this is the culture here. It's a very grind, hustle culture, you know, get out there. And and, and it's a very lively, active city. It's a party town, tourist town. Uh, you know, let's say New York is a city that never sleeps. Miami is a city that um, also stays awake. We have 24-hour clubs here that never close. Oh, cool. So wow. that's, that's just part of how we are here, how we move. And so that's what the book is about, is showing that hustle, that grind culture of not only for ourselves, but also for the artists, that um, they they were, all, we had a big pirate radio scene back then, uh, illegal radio stations. Uh, DJ Khaled started on an illegal pirate radio station and then look at them now. So, uh, you know, this is the evolution that i lived through, that I witnessed. And so that's what the book is, the story that's told in this book is, how did these artists, you know, the overnight success that we see, no, it wasn't an overnight success, that's no such thing. And so there's a lot of work that go behind it that went behind uh, making these guys and girls who they are today. And that's what the book is is the story that I'm telling is how did these guys start, what they went through and why they are who they are today.
1: What do you think, like, what is the scene like now? Like, is there still a big hip hop scene in Miami? I mean, I guess, yes, there is, it's very different, (laughs) but yeah, like, can you trace it to those roots or has it become more sort of a national phenomenon?
2: yeah now it's more because uh, of living in the online social media era that we're currently in so uh back then uh, as i previously mentioned when right, you're walking on the street some guys handing you a, a cd nowadays it's a sound blog, uh, sorry soundcloud uh, link uh right it's a spotify playlist and and that's that's how the scene moves nowadays uh I talk about in the book the two college radio shows that we religiously listen to every week right that's gone nobody hardly listens to the radio anymore so it's all yeah. about trading uh, links, and uh, you know, social media, TikTok, and and Instagram, and all of that. That's how the scene moves nowadays, and and that's how artists get discovered. Artists get discovered every day on SoundCloud, and and so that's that's where the crate digging is. We used to dig for records and crates. Now we dig for links on on SoundCloud, and it's the same principle. It's just a different medium. It's a different technology, but the same principle applies of discovery. Of, of trying to find the hot new sound, the hot new artist, the one that everyone's talking about or posting about. And that's the evolution that's happened. Um, there's still the, the previous generation is still active, of course, but the new generation, it, there's a split. Uh, fortunately, I think that happens in, in every scene uh, where one generation you know, gets older, people move on, people get married, people have families, children, and then a the new generation steps up. Uh, like I mentioned in the book, there's always going to be a kid in a high school cafeteria that's starting to uh, rhyme or make beats or whatever. That, that happens every day. So it's just a matter of keeping abreast of who's doing what and what's going on. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm now in my 40s. I'm not in a club anymore, you know, and, and things like that. But at least with the digital, there's still a chance to keep up and, and find out who's, who's, who's putting out music and who's being talked about. So uh, that's, that's just how it is now. Everything's online. Who
1: are the new artists that you're most excited about that are emerging now?
2: Right, so I'd say uh, the most uh, popular one of the new direction is Denzel Curry, who's also uh, nationally, he's done uh, songs with, uh, you know, a lot of the big artists, uh, even including Future and other types of very well-known artists. So he's the one that's bringing uh, the Miami scene, of course, the City Girls, uh, they're also very well-known. Uh, there's that whole subgenre genre of, uh, uh, female uh, empowerment rap is is what some would call it, um, and then there's the underground local artists that are, you know are pushing and trying to make themselves known, uh, Iceberg and and uh, the Dunk Riders and things like that. So uh, they still haven't made that progression to the national level that Denzel Curry and City Girls have, but you know I believe uh, they're next. And uh, same thing with the DJs, a new generation of DJs is coming up, uh, Shinobi, uh, Orchid. And you know they're stepping up and, and filling in those shoes. Uh, same with the graffiti. Now graffiti, it, the pennants are gone, right? All these illegal warehouses are done. So now it's all centered around Wynwood uh, where Art Basel takes place every year. Uh, you walk in Wynwood and you're gonna see murals from international artists, Miami uh, graffiti artists as well. So uh, the crews are still around, but again, as everybody grows up and they either establish a business center around the culture or you know they just work a regular nine to five and then they keep it as a hobby on the weekends and things like that. So it's a it's a mix of new and old, uh, young and old, and everybody's just uh, still trying to do their thing in whatever capacity.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating because you know not to whatever but I'm you know I'm middle-aged like I learn about new music from NPR it's like a little bit embarrassing you know because I really saw myself like you you know or when I was growing up I knew about like all the coolest shit like as it was happening and like you know I like saw so many things and I lost interest in them when they became national and then now it's like you know on some level you know, I'm completely fascinated because the orders for your book have been in bookstores really all over the country. Like it's not even concentrated in Miami or Florida even. It's like really all over the place. And so, you know, I think it's like to some degree it is because your scene really went national, but that, you know, still because, you know, like the book is about Miami, it surprised me that, you know, like, but I guess it's like interesting for people that now know those acts to be like, oh, you know, I want to read about that in like suburban Illinois or whatever. But so do you do you feel differently connected to those artists now that they're kind of like a national property? Or do you feel like you have a different relationship now that you've grown up?
2: Yeah, in a sense, it's, it's uh, one part of me is like, of course, hometown pride. And uh, seeing a guy like DJ Khaled, who I was close to back then, not so close to now, right? (laughs) But um, just knowing where he came from, that I used to listen to him on the radio every afternoon, and used to go to his shows that he would promote. And and so seeing his evolution now, it's amazing. Uh, Same thing with Pitbull. Pitbull, I met him when he was completely unknown. And he freestyled for me and and a staffer in a newspaper in a parking lot at a supermarket. So, uh, you know, having that memory and then seeing who Pitbull became, you know, it's, it's amazing. And so, yeah, there's always that home connection, uh, of course. Now, when, when they're the caliber of somebody like a Pitbull or a Caled, uh, you know, I don't speak to them anymore. Um, but, uh, just having that connection there. And then, of course, with the new generation, um, just being online and seeing also their evolution it's a great thing to see and and it's something that you know makes us proud because uh again for a long time especially back in the 90s Miami was dismissed it was an afterthought it was uh oh all they do down there is bass and booty shaking and there's no skills there's no talent everybody's just you know uh ramming over planet rock and and trying to be to life crew that was the image and that's why Miami wasn't acknowledged uh, back then, and that was the, one of the also reasons that we did the newspaper and the book, was to show that okay, yeah, two left crew, great, we all loved them, but there was more to Miami than them, so much more, and so that's what we wanted to chronicle, and that's why I want to uh, the people that read the book uh, to know about um, that. It, uh, it wasn't just uh, Uncle Luke. It wasn't just uh, the Poison Clan and the other bass artists. There was so much other things happening. So much other talent uh, that was born and raised here, and so that's the re- that's one of the main reasons also for the book.
1: Well, my favorite thing about the book is your voice. It comes through so clearly. It's like talking to you, and it's so engaging and compelling. Like I. I'm not a music person, but I like really was rapt reading it, like just because it felt like someone was telling me about the most exciting thing that had happened, and it was ex- actually an exciting thing. Um, and yeah, I wonder, do you have any other writing projects going or plans for the future to write more books or publish yes, an Underground uh... Zine?
2: Yeah, uh, currently, I am working with DJ Craze on his uh, autobiography, So you know, as told to. uh, We're working on that, and, you know, he's someone that, while not uh, on the level of uh, DJ Khaled or Pitbull, he's someone that has also made history someone that I've known since we were 18 years old. We're the same age, and so um, he's someone that made history as the first three-time DMC DJ world champion, and again this happened 98 99 2000 when people weren't thinking of miami as a hotbed uh, for djing and then we have this uh, world champion that continues today to play all over the world and continues to uh, make music he has his record label now so that's what i'm working on i'm working on his life story and uh, we're also developing a limited series based on that book Uh, working with the script writer to uh, get that uh, done where where we want to pitch it to the streamer, the streaming networks and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, that will be on on air on the screen. One day, the DJ craze, uh, life story, Uh, we're calling it champion sound. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that's my big project now that I'm working on and, uh, it's a grind, uh, writing, you know, can sometimes be stressful because. Uh, wow. It's easy to tell my story, I lift it, I have my memories, uh, You know, it, when it comes to telling somebody else's story, then it's taking their words and trying to make a narrative out of it where it doesn't flow or read like a transcript, no one wants to read a transcript. So it's taking, me and him have our hours, hours of uh, conversations, taking those conversations and building a narrative out of it. Can be hard work sometimes, it's daunting, I've never done it before, so I'm learning as I go along as well. But I've always done that, I've always learned as I went along. And so it's great uh, to have this new experience, to tell someone else's story through their voice, their words, but I'm writing it and I'm the one making like, okay, we're gonna have this chapter begin here and then here. This theme of this chapter is about this and we're gonna talk about this. So that's the process that I'm uh, working on and, and it's, a great, it's a great new adventure for me.
1: Nice. That's
0: a- that's an awesome project and yeah i really hope that gets to be made into like a docuseries or even like a biopic it seems like would really lend well to that um so yeah you know i mean i grew up in cleveland and i never really thought about you know i mean i knew two live crew when i was you know 12 or 13 or whatever whenever that was um you know early 90s late 80s and um and so you know i mean and and I never really thought about like how that must've really cast a pall over Miami because it's like, you know, I mean, it was something I enjoyed when I was a kid, but it's not exactly the most serious artist or like, you know, you're not like, wow. You know, I mean, it definitely gives you the, I could do that vibes, but it doesn't really give you the like, wow, what a you know, innovative artist. So, you know, and so I, yeah, I never really thought about that, you know, but like Cleveland, it's like we really had to overcome our expectations based on the reputation of the city and like how people saw it through that, you know, and and I think that was something that like I didn't, it didn't even really occur to me until just now that I was like, right, that's what's going on there. So it's like all these artists said that much more ground to cover as did you just to like show this scene with respectability you know which like i feel like you did a great job of but so what kind of advice would you give to publishers you know both as a publisher and now somebody working on the other side of it you know to like really like preserve and captivate culture like this
2: right i'd say uh, a couple pieces of advice Uh, first is to build and keep your relationships Uh, You know, reach out to people, keep in touch with people uh, active in the scene. Uh, When it comes to publishing, you know, uh, have a network, build a network around graphic designers, editors, other writers, right? Anyone that's into books, into reading or making books, you definitely want to keep in touch with those people and uh, use your resources. Again, uh, technology now allows us to print our books from our own home. Um, those resources are available. They're free. There's all kinds of YouTube tutorials. There's all kinds of articles, uh, um, you know. And, and building and maintaining uh, the network is very important when you want uh, to create and to publish something and to know someone. Uh, there, again, this is part of my culture. I got a guy, you know, we say that all the time. I got a guy that can do this. Oh no, talk to my guy. He can, you know. So that's that's the main thing uh, that I that. Uh, I would advise is always have a guy or a girl <laughs> um, you know that you can reach out to. Uh, I need a graphic designer. I need someone that can edit. I, can, I need someone uh, that has storage space. Uh, I need someone that you know can help me lift these boxes, you know whatever it is. Uh, keep a network and and keep active. you know people uh, come and go a lot of times, but I think it's up to you to keep in touch and and let, never let those people stray too far from the nest. Uh, your nest being your publishing uh, company, your publishing vision, and uh, that's the one piece of advice I will give. Uh, the other one uh, would be uh, when it comes to money, money is always an issue, and and you know whatever little money you have, uh, set aside something. Uh, there's always going to be some unexpected costs. Uh, to this day, people still ask, "Oh, can I get a book?" And then I, I think about it, maybe doing a limited print run, but. That costs a lot of money so now of course i point them to microcosm here buy this one right it's it's based on the original book and you're going to get some new updated information and of course uh, with the microcosm book now you can find it in a wider distribution uh, as opposed to just local miami stores and 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 online so um money and and keeping resources keeping your network active is uh, what i would advise to anyone that wants to get into publishing
1: that's some of the best advice we've had on this podcast thank you
2: (laughs) and and it's interesting because it's like i think of
0: us like an archive you know like i think of what we do as like preserving these stories because like you know we've been around 27 years so like we keep you know the information available and you know and so i think of it in terms of that where and then yeah the the i got a guy side to it too is like part of that because you know that's like part of how you keep the wheels moving you know right
1: it's true (laughs) well um is there anything else we want to talk about before i think that's great
0: you got any wisdom you want to part everybody on
2: Um, uh, sure. I would say, um, we used to have a model in our, in our newspaper publishing days, our model was, it's all about the polys, which is politics. Uh, so that goes back to what I mentioned, uh, relationships in, uh, in the music, uh, business and the publishing business, any creative uh, space, it's about politics and relationships. It's always about who do you know, who can you get to know, uh, your friend knows someone Introduce me to this person, uh, you know, put me in a room with this one. Uh, let me give this one a card. Let me get their card. So it's about making that spider web of connections and making uh, those uh, relationships uh, flourish and provide value. Like my value that I want to provide is I can write your story, I can write something for you, and you know making it so that they also get a benefit out of it. Where you're not, you're not just, hey, put me on, hey, you know, make me, give me, give me something to do. Uh, you want to come to the table with an offer, uh, something of value that people will appreciate. So. Um, yeah, keep those relationships open, uh, build relationships, maintain them, and you'll see the fruits of that labor uh, in the future if you keep at it. Right.
0: Yeah, that's real.
1: I'm glad we're in the same spider web now. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and it keeps growing. Correct.
0: Thanks for joining us once again.
1: Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes.
0: And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed.
1: You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub,
0: on Twitter at microcosm,
1: on Facebook at microcosm publishing,
0: on Instagram at microcosm underscore pub,
1: and here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Have a wonderful week.